When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. All right. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, since uh, what's going on, let's talk about something we don't like to talk about. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. War is a severe doctor, but it sometimes heals grievances. This, these next two are really big, I think. The true fight, a true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. And then finally, this is, this is from the, uh, the Outnumber area uh, back in the days of the Crusade. When the elephants fight, the ants get trampled. Unfortunate, but true. Anyway, uh, you know, as we always talk about on this uh, show, you go to our webpage, got a lot of good information on there. Uh, you know, we have uh, our insight uh, tab on there. Uh, all you have to do is go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, and it can go directly to my webpage. And on that insight, you know, a little tab up uh, near the top, insight, you, you know, we replace the information on there pretty regularly. It talks about all sorts of things that affect you financially, but it does have research on there and it's good research and it changes. We also have under bulletin board, Rob Schleimer, who may be one of the best technicians on the planet, uh, you know, telling you what he's thinking over the week. All right. And, uh, you know, we have a newsletter, et cetera, et cetera. So some things that uh, could be very helpful for you. If you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio in times of stress like this, uh, give me a call. Uh, you know, my number's on there, or you can hit the contact me or email me. You know, that type of thing. Uh, it, it does work. Uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, a kind of a good time to be looking at uh, scenarios. We also have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Um, so uh, something to think about anyway. You know, so um, what we thought was going to happen happened. Uh, you know, Ukraine uh, invaded. And a couple weeks ago, what I've been telling my clients is that, look, I I think, I said this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that the day of the invasion would be the, the bottom, okay? Usually that's the case. Sure enough, we did what I call what is an undercut. So we had the low in January. We undercut it, but we closed above it, you know? So it's the close below that you got to worry about. So, we're, you know, we tested it. We held, for now anyway, and uh, that's a good thing. So, you know, look, I think you got to, you know, we've, continue to digest the developments in the U in Russia's invasion of Ukraine and contemplate what it means for the U.S. equity markets. Uh, look, we've become more convinced that the most appropriate way to think about the event is by comparing it to various growth scares that have emerged in the post-financial crisis era. They include the European debt crisis of 2010, the U.S. downgrade 2011, the industrial re recession from 2015 to 2016, the sell-off of late 2018, you know, uh, the, and the Chinese trade war, all right? So these are all things, and, and they've had corrections between 14 and 20%. Uh, they've averaged about 17.3. Now, we're at 12 right now, uh, and will it continue? I don't know. Look, uh, individual in investor sentiment is down below 30 now. It's a, you know, so what they do is they take the number of positive versus number of negative. It's a negative 30 and a half now, uh, which is, now, I've only seen it lower than that twice. That was at the bottom of the financial crisis and also in 2002. Uh, we've had a couple times where it's been right here, uh, but usually there's been a bottom. Now, I got a call from Ryan this week, and Ryan said, hey, Tim, you know, you said we're at a bottom. I said no. And I, I listened to the show. Again, I said it usually takes about a month to bottom, which would be somewhere in the next two weeks, I would think. Uh, however, you know, the, you know, the Fed – didn't blink an eye. They're still going to raise the rates a quarter of a point uh, because I, I think there's some things we got to think about. And, you know, uh, look, we, we as an RBC, uh, Tom Porcelli thought that we'd raise rates by about 100 basis points or a percentage point this year uh, in quarterly hikes. And, look, uh, given Powell's testimony this week, it's clear Russia is not going to derail hikes in the immediate term. 
uh, as long as the worst case, uh, case scenario does not materialize. Now, now look, uh, you know, technology right now is in a bear market. It's going to stay that way. And, you know, uh, biotech's been in a bear market for five, six years now. So the Fed is always assessing, but we think after the June meeting, uh, when we expect that inflation will come off the, the boil, shall we say, uh, things could get a little bit more interesting. Now, look, what's interesting about this whole thing is the Russian invasion of Ukraine put lives and, and, and livelihoods at risk. And it's, it's amazing how the U.S. and Europe have come to work. Now, China's, you know, China, China's out to lunch. Uh, you know, the, they just cut off the Premier League uh, soccer. So uh, because they're against Ukraine. <laughs> so they're back in Russia big because I think they want to own Taiwan. But uh, look, I think you're going to have higher inflation, lower growth. The conflict appears to have pushed stubborn inflation even higher. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't look like our, our president is going to back off his stance of keeping the pipeline shut down. Okay. And no more drilling on federal land. You know, they cut that all out. So um, look, uh, Eris Lachelis, uh, who's our asset manager for the global RBC stuff, uh, their chief economist, thinks that the inflation, the inflation, the consumer price index could be driven to eight and a half percent from up from seven and a half. And that would be the highest inflation we've ever seen in America, which uh, may be uh, a problem. And I'll, you know, central banks are facing a policy quandary right now. And I think also uh, there's a. Um, kind of a, a profound transformation in the EU. And I also think the green transition is going to be in a holding pattern for now. All right. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you're looking at things, you want to be more, uh, you want to overweight certain areas. And I'm going to talk about that in the second part of the show. But look, fear and uncertainty uh, is really building short term uh, because so many things have been uh, left resolved. I mean, look, Inflation soaring, oil topped $110. Uh, interest rates are rising, uh, although the, the long end is coming down, but it's come right down to support. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Fed's going to rate uh, hike rates, uh, which affects all the world, by the way, not just the U.S. And, you know, we, we've got the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation, obviously. And the White House approval ratings are the lowest <laughs> in history. So, uh, you know, you add some extra credit there, you know, stocks are expensive and uh, the bull market has been historic. Okay. So now look, I think what you got to understand though is the VIX, which is the fear gauge. That's the volatility index. Is that, you know, uh, it's, it's been to 39. Okay. Uh, Peak on 224, which was, you know, basically uh, actually it wasn't the bottom. The bottom was the last week of January. And now, uh, you know, we had the Swiss sanctions, and it's up at 34, all right? So now the index, you know, uh, if we go back to January, we're, we're right about where the old lows are. Uh, the Dow actually held, and most of the indexes came down, broke below their January lows, and then closed above them. And that's what they call a rat's tail, and that's usually fairly positive. But look um, – Tom Block at Fundstrat, uh, he talks about the, you know, Congress, and he said that, or he talks about Washington. Ukraine will dominate the news cycle in coming days. That's for sure. Uh, Congress is, is not in D.C. They're, they're coming back, but they're, they're going to approve sanctions. I guess my question is, why did they wait <laughs> until the war started to put the sanctions on? You know what I mean? They do, if, they, if they were so sure that it was going to happen, why did they wait? And the main sanction, uh, sanction blocking order, uh, I think, you know, they got to get rid of Russian oil. And, uh, I, you know, I think they're going to uh, – Congress probably extend their budget talks to back to May 11th, and, and, you know, Powell has to be uh, reinstated. So uh, uh, I think, look, um, one of the things that I think you gotta you got to step back, okay? So let's say we've taken a look at what the U.S. economy, what the world economy is doing from, let's say, 10,000 feet, okay? And I think, uh, you know, we've had lots of these. Now, let's go back. Uh, one of the most challenging bear markets that I can remember is 1973, 1974. Uh, the Rust Belt, and then, then we had the tech wreck from 2000 to 2003, and the financial crisis collapse of 2008, 2009. And, you know, if you even go back to 1962, 
know, you talk about being uh, a frightening. We had 13 nuclear warheads in Cuba pointed towards us, okay? That's 95 miles from Miami Beach, folks, all right? The Dow Jones Industrials at that time were less than 100. Where are we now? All right, we're at 30,000. So, I'm sorry, the S&P 500 was at less than, uh, now Now we're at, uh, at 4,500, so um, 4,300. So the point is, is that we've had these things happen before, and you got to take a long-term view. Uh, it's that simple. Um, now, look, I think we're, we're, we were very overbought. We've been talking about that for four months now. We've been very, very overbought on a monthly basis, and we're still there. However, um, you know, it corrections occur two ways, price, which we've had a little bit of that, and then time. So time may be what we need uh, going forward. Now, the, the S&P is, you know, the daily momentum uh, kind of like peaked just recently. So we'll probably have some more sell-off. We'll test the low again, make sure that everybody's paying attention. Now, the NASDAQ composite, I think we really got to watch very closely. That 13,000 level is very, very important, and it doesn't look like to me that tech is, is getting much support. I thought we started to get it this week, and it didn't. And also the housing market is an area where I think you've got to pay uh, fairly close attention. Now, look, one of the, some of the best charts I've seen are gold and silver and copper. All right, now oil was a great chart. You know, we talked about oil this time last year, actually earlier than this time last year, and, and that is extremely over bought right now. I've had more people call me on oil in the last week or two. And, you know, I think we're near closer to a short-term peak. And the reason I say that is because Jim Yates, who wrote the option report, uh, he, what he did is he split the market into six zones. And each one of those were one of the six standard deviations. Zone six was overbought. Zone one was oversold. So what you did was you, you know, in an option report, zone six, you write calls against the position. Zone one, you buy calls or you, you know, you buy treasuries and, and sell puts. Okay, so if you don't know what those are, uh, you shouldn't be talking about options. But the point is, most of the oil stocks that I've seen are in zone five and six, meaning they're very overbought. So you got to want to be careful there. Now, gold and copper are great looking charts. <laughs> uh, and that's something you got to uh, take away. Uh, now, I think, you know, there's a couple areas that Tim would be recommending. And by the way, if you have a question, the, the number here I keep forgetting is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, I, I think mid-cap value is the place, you know, that seems to be the place to be. Uh, although, I looked over charts today, and I would suggest that defense on a pullback, chemicals on a pullback, Gold, uh, silver, and and also pharmaceuticals. A lot of pharmaceuticals have pulled back to re to support or broken out, and I don't know why that is. But and also utilities, uh, they look like they're going to outperform for a while, you know. And yield is remember, yield sells off as interest rates go up. So you buy yield when it's up. Last week we talked about the two-year CD as a great buy right there. And it, it probably is, uh, especially if they raise rates. And the staples, but I think the staples have to be defensive staples, okay? And I think they have to be uh, domestic staples. Also chemicals. Chemicals look extremely good to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you which ones to buy. That's for my clients. But, you know, that's what I'm, I'm looking at over the weekend. So I had several people ask me, uh, you know, are you buying yet? And yes, I'm buying some defense stocks. I bought some defense stocks last week. Uh, not a lot of them. <laughs> all right. But we're getting close. All right. And because and believe me, uh, I've talked to a couple people off the ledge this week. All right. And that, that's going to happen from time to time. But look, if treasuries have pulled back right to where they broke out from, the treasury yields now. All right. This may be a time if this support holds where you want to be looking at some of the regional banks, all right? Because basically what Powell told us is interest rates are going up. The question is how much, and that's the fun part about this job, all right? But look, uh, if you look at oil, 
uh, oil is up 17% in eight days. All right. You know, sometimes it's, it, it's better to step back and say, whoa, whoa. You know, just two years ago, we had 85 tankers sitting outside of L.A. And the price of oil was negative $41. All right, there's a lot of oil out there. The Permian Basin is one of the biggest finds in history. All right, it's bigger than, if, I, if I'm correct, and what I've read is correct, the Permian Basin is bigger than all three of the Saudi oil sites combined. Of course, we're not letting anybody drill in there. <laughs> so uh, there we go. Uh, but, you know, I think crude at the, you know, the 114 level, the 115 level is at an area where it stopped back in 2009. So it's probably going to be a pause. And I think, you know, uh, look, now everybody's running to oil. Half my clients didn't want to buy oil back a year ago. All right, so you've got to remember that, you know, know, time to be a little bit more careful, I think, than than you've been in the past. And and that's something that, uh, you know, I think is important. Now, look, I'm still seeing um, the S&P 500 has backed off that top trend line, which is good. So it takes time for this to happen. The monthly momentum is starting to wind down, but it's not – it's not at a point where you want to get crazy and buy it, all right? So this is part of that four-year cycle that we talk about on the show so much. And that four-year cycle says the first year is the sell-off. We bottom, and then we go crazy upside for a while. Then, you know, we have some problems, okay? And then the market starts to stabilize, and then we go, we probably have, a you know, the fourth year is that whoops. <laughs> and then we go higher. Now, it looks like the whoops came early this year, this time, and uh, but it's still we're still part of that four-year cycle. I don't see anything's going to change it, and I think it's important that we we understand that and uh, take it from there. Now, look, uh, I I I would suggest that uh, well we'll we'll come back and talk about this uh, you know because a lot of people are still talking about ESG, so we'll 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 talk about that when we get back. Hey, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. You just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, we, we've been... Our people have been talking a lot about ESG because, believe me, the money's flowing into the stuff, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, they're they're you know BlackRock's gone 100 percent ESG, and they 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 manage about 18 percent of the money that's in the stock market right now. You know, there'll be more money coming in eventually, but as of now, it's 18 percent. So you got one group doing nothing but ESG, and some of the other groups like Fidelity and, and Vanguard are getting pushed towards it because they have to be. So the question is. How will we live in 2050? All right, it's it's going to be a departure from today, and you know they're talking about a net zero world. Uh, you know, look back in 2000, we talked about a hyperconnected society, uh, and, and that you know 30 years ago nobody would have thought about that. You know, the pre-internet days. Life in 2050 will probably be very different, and you know what we'll look at is. Will be will be the fight against global warming, and most countries will ha- try to reach what they call net zero, and that is a state where the amount of greenhouse gas emissions added to the atmosphere is balanced out by that that's removed. All right, so there's there's a lot of uh, thoughts on that, and and if you look at the CO two reductions needed uh, to be <laughs> to do that, it, it it won't happen until twenty you know thirty or twenty thirty four or something like that, but uh, you know, it'll be very interesting, and there's a lot of ways that you can profit from it. So, look, uh, what's good for the world is good for the world, uh, but we can make money off it. And I think that's the thing that you have to pay attention to. And, uh, look, you know, there's uh, there's renewables, there's energy storage, there's transmission and distribution. You know, I've talked about that, you know, uh, uh, thing for a while. There's electric vehicles, there's hydrogen, there's heat pumps. Uh there's engineered timber frames, you know, so 
there's a bunch of ways to do it. And I think uh, the, the more we concentrate on that, uh, the better off we're going to be. All right. So, uh, look, that's just a, a highlight of some of the research we do. If you'd like that research, obviously call me, 216-774-8906, and we'll get that to you. You know, uh, one of the things, you know, I've been looking very closely at what's going on in the world, and uh, I did a lot of charts this morning, and look, I, I, I see a couple things. Number one, the utilities broke out, and that bodes well for further relative strength. So they're outperforming the market. Uh, the commodity gains, while the dollar strengthening, argue for a domestic tilt versus emerging near term. You know, so we want to stay with domestic domestic equities, domestic uh, commodities, that type of thing, versus emerging markets. Okay, uh, defensive strength looks to be reasserting itself, and what I'm seeing is supermarkets. These are all domestic now. They're staples. Right, uh, supermarkets. And I think we spent no money on defense. You know, Trump was trying to, and they kept beating him down. And you know, Obama cut the defense budget to shreds. So something tells me <laughs> they're going to want to spend a little money going forward. Uh, so that's an area, especially on a pullback. And I recommend everything on a pullback right now. And chemicals. Chemicals look great. You know, I mean, there's something going on there that uh, I'm not sure I understand, but. Uh, you know, maybe they're talking about chemicals as far as, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, chemicals that are used in the oil fields, chemicals in general. Uh, but they're going to have pricing power because the price of crude's going up, and chemicals are use a lot of crude. So, uh, you know, I think pricing power is going to be very, very important uh, going for, further uh, for, for the next couple of years, anyway. So. You know, it, look, it's it's something that you have to pay very close attention to. And, uh, I, you know, I see a couple things, like I said. You know, if you look at the regional banks, they broke out. Now they've pulled back. And, and the chart looks almost exactly like the 10-year 10 10-year Treasury yield. So we'll see. If, if the 10-year Treasury yields hold here, it could be a, a very interesting thing. But I, I think chemicals could be the next group to watch carefully for signs of outperformance. And then I, I would also say, you know, gold and oil, I mean, gold and, and copper uh, look fantastic, uh, you know, for now. Now, look, I think, uh, you know, March, you know, I'm not saying get out of oil, okay? What I'm saying is I think some of the higher beta names will do. Uh, the large cap dominant names could stall for a while. Now, uh, you know, <laughs> I was, I was suggesting to some of my clients to sell half of their uh, stock that we owned uh, that we're up big on, you know, because I, I bought it at 22, around 53 right now. And then Kramer came on and I said, ah, maybe I shouldn't. He said the same thing and I, I thought about it for a while. But also, you know, I'm looking at a lot of these, uh, a lot of the defense companies. And I think, you know, those are stuff you got to pay very, very close attention to. And especially guys that do droids. You know, uh, those are going to be big time, I think. Uh, and so, you look, there's stuff to do. I just think you've got to wait for it to come to you. So on the value side, I'd be looking at chemicals. I'd be looking at uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, utilities, staples, but domestic staples, defense, and gold and copper and silver. Silver is the other one. That's the other one I want to talk about. Uh, um, you know, silver is looking really interesting at this point, and I think it's something that you have to – uh, pay close attention to. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you you almost have to, uh, you know, pay attention to. Well, it'll be it'll probably be pretty hard, I would suggest, to buy gold physically. But there's some physical gold ETFs. Remember, some of the domestic or some of the commodities provide you with a K1. And they deliver them the day before you have to pay, uh, set your taxes in. So that you always have to, uh, you know, wait on them. But look, Mike, what I'm really worried about is the NASDAQ composite. Uh, the NASDAQ composite is starting to uh, underperform on a relative basis, number one. Number two, uh, you know, what I'm seeing is the long-term chart 
is still above the uptrend line. Okay, so we have two lines. Remember, we talk about this every week. We, when we have an uptrend, we draw a line on the higher lows and then the higher highs. Now, the reason we do that is that's a good quality uptrend, whether it's a stock, it's, it's a index or whatever, okay, commodity, whatever it may be, uh, even interest rates, by the way. And so you do this, and whenever it, that you break the bottom line or the top line, you've got to pay more attention. We've broken the top line. The last time we did that was 2000. Now, in 2000, we broke it by a lot more, but you've got to remember that value has outperformed growth for, forever up until seven years ago. It's the longest period of outperformance by growth ever. And the reason is, is the Federal Reserve's policies, okay? So now value may be coming back into play, and it may be coming back into play with a vengeance. Now, the problem with value is it goes up very fast and comes back down very fast. And you got to understand that part, okay? Now, I like mid-cap value most at this point. Uh, Large-cap uh, and large-cap value second, and then small-cap value is third. And look, I'm seeing stocks breaking out, okay? I, I know of three major stocks that broke out this week that I really like, and uh, I think it's, you know, I'm looking at some of the agricultural chemical companies, you know, fertilizer, that type of thing, and they look great. Now, I will say this. If I look at the if I look at the Russell 2000, it looks like it made a little bit of a double bottom. So it, it'll be interesting to see if the small caps do better. Remember, there's a lot of regional banks in there. Regional banks broke out, pulled back. You know, if interest rates turn, regional banks will be a place to be. In the meantime, let's take a break. Remember that uh, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And, you know, um, a couple things that, you know, uh, I just had Eric email me. Um, and Eric said, Tim, I just bought oil. What should I do? I said, well, look, I don't think it's over. I just think, you know, it's very hard to buy something. You know, oil itself is up 16% in seven days after coming from $40 <laughs> to 90 okay, in a year. So. That kind of looks to me like, on a regular chart, that it might be going a little bit parabolic short term. Now, that doesn't mean it's over, but it's extremely overbought, okay? So I'll just leave it at that. Now, look, the average VIX during a sell-off in a bull market, okay, the VIX is the fear index. It's the volatility index. Average is about 23. Since the day after Thanksgiving, the VIX is average 28, all right? Now, we've had seven days below 20, no days below 15, and we've averaged 28, and we're at 34 right now, okay? That is what, you know, fear is prevalent, okay? So most people have probably sold, and there's more fear in this bull market than Tim Hayes has ever remembered. Okay? So it's one of those things where people are frightened. It's good. Look, there's a lot of positives. Uh, you know, we, we have some of the labor participation coming back. I don't know if you saw that in the, in the labor numbers on Friday. But you've got to remember that, you know, they say we're below 4% on the employment numbers, but 15% of all the people out there Quit working because the government was giving out free money. All right. So the labor participation came in the lower ends. All right. It was the entertainment. It was the restaurant industry, you know, that type of thing. But it's coming back. That's going to help inflation, folks, because then they don't have to pay people, you know, $5 over minimum wage, which is some people are doing to get good people to work for them. All right. The negative, look, the breath is terrible. And what I mean is that by the breath is the advanced decline line looks terrible, all right? It still hasn't broken a new, to a new low, but it still hasn't broken out either, all right? 
and the commodities, you know, uh, commodities push inflation. So if they keep going up, we've got a problem on our hands. But remember, commodities from 2009 to last to 2020 were down 81%. So the Commodity Research Bureau Index was down 81% from top to bottom. It's going to bounce, <laughs> all right? Nothing goes down forever. It's that simple. So a little bit of commodity pricing is probably good for things, all right? So just remember that. And anyway, um, look, we always talk about in this show um, – by the way, I had uh, Eric ask me about commodities and come on. I mean, uh, crypto. Look, I think crypto, you know, I, I'm not playing with it because I don't know what it's worth. OK, uh, it's worth whatever the other guy pays you for it. OK, and, and that, I have a hard time with that because I can't calculate it in my mind. That doesn't mean it's, doesn't, it's not going to work. But something tells me with the Russian situation, they're going to our government and several other governments going to kind of clamp down on that. All right. So just so you know, that's uh, that's my feelings about it. That's Tim Hayes's feelings. That's not RBC's feelings. So I just want that to be made. So the bullish percent is something we follow very closely. And the bullish percent is uh, our main risk guide. Now, the problem with it is it's been a very volatile year for the last since March of last year. You know, uh, we've we've had all these five percent corrections. But underneath the surface, uh, you know, we just I just heard Josh on CNBC at noon say that 29% of the NASDAQ composite, which is 3,655 stocks, this is over 1,000 stocks now, are down 60% or more. Okay? We said that on the, if we look at the New York Stock Exchange Index, which is you know 5,700 plus stocks, that 70% of them are down 30% or more. So we've been in a bear market. You've got to remember that. So we're having these volatile swings. But this week, the New York Stock Exchange Index, as of Friday, went to a column of O's. All right? So um, this is when risk is higher. Uh, usually what you'll find is this is a chart goes from 0 to 100. It was designed by Charles Dow's protege to know you want to be bullish at the bottom. Okay? And what we had was, remember, last year this time, I was talking about it being at 80. Went from 80 to 60, 78 to 60, and it kept making lower highs and then finally collapsed. Okay? So – we kind of, you know, we were overbought at that point. We're still a little bit overbought. But we are at 38. We're down four for the month or for the week. And uh, so we're in a column of O's. Column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. Column of O's is you want to be a lot more defensive. So I don't think you have to be, you know, when you get below 30, that's the green zone. So we're getting close. All right? We're not there yet. Uh, when we get over 70, that's the red zone. And, you know, we were at 80 or above it. Uh, or above 70 for up until September, okay? So, you know, you want, to be, you want to be more careful when that occurs. But now, we're in a column of O's. We're 38. We're getting close to the promised land, which is 30. Uh, and what I think is going to probably happen is we're going to have one last washout, you know, just to scare the bejesus out of everybody. I'll be on the phone all day. It'll be great, you know, because that's, that's when you're needed the most. You know, people get frightened when they should be greedy. And they get greedy when they should be frightened. Now, the over-the-counter index, the small names, went below 30. They're at 29.4%. Uh, so they're in a column of those two, and the world index is at 34. So we're getting close to the promised land. We're not there yet. Now, the one thing you know I mentioned is commodities have eclipsed the 300 mark on uh you know, the Dorsey Wright system. And by the way, the Dorsey Wrights are the provider. You know, they're the keepers of the bullish percent for us. Uh, great, great group out of uh, Virginia. But if you look, commodities gave a buy signal, uh, you know, and they haven't, I think it was, you know, 2007, the last time they were up here, and they broke above it. Now, they broke above it on news, so we'll see how long that lasts. But base metals and agricultural look great. Um, gold looks good. Silver has just picked up very nicely. And, you know, obviously crude's gone crazy. And copper, people forgetting about copper. And I think that's important. So, the, you know, if I look at the silver fund versus the silver fund versus, let's say, the EEM, silver broke out. Uh, that's the emerging markets, by the way. And if I look at silver versus the total bond market, silver's still a good place to be. So, silver, 
crude gold, you know, gold just, you know, it's another hundred dollars and it'll break out to an all time high. And what's interesting about gold is if you look at the monthly chart, it's a cup and handle formation. Now that formation, Bill O'Neill from Investors Business Daily sold it to Vanguard and Fidelity for years till they figured out what he was doing and he made a ton of money on it. And then if you look on it on a weekly basis, it's another cup and handle formation. So it could be a very powerful move if it doesn't break out. And something tells me, and you know, it's, this is just Tim's thinking, that they're going to clamp down on the Bitcoins of the world because that's how Russia gets out of this. You see? That's how they step aside. That's how the oligarchs keep their money. And that's not what they want. They want the oligarchs to put pressure on, on Putin. You know, Putin was a low-level KGB guy. And the oligarchs brought him in because they thought they could control him. And they didn't do a very good job of that, did they? So the sector ratings right now, energy's number one, all right, for obvious reasons. Remember, we recommended energy last year in January, okay? Last year in January, we recommended. Financials are second. Uh, they're at a pretty crucial point, though, so you've got to be careful with financials, right? Basic materials are, are third. Industrials are fourth. Technology's falling all the way to fifth. And by the way, lost a lot of votes, almost 70 votes. Healthcare is dead last and still losing votes. And that, that, that area intrigues me because uh, we ain't going anywhere without the healthcare. Um, but financials are weakening. Basic materials are improving. Remember that copper stock I talked to you, I mean that uh, aluminum stock I talked to you about, that went up 10 bucks last week, from 20 to 30 almost, all right? And uh, I didn't get enough people in. <laughs> Simple as that, all right? Now, international equities, um, look, we have a conflict going on in Ukraine, and we're, we're going to have problems, I think, with a lot of the emerging markets, because I don't know if anybody wants to be in Taiwan right now. And by the way, if you think we have a chip shortage, if Taiwan becomes a problem, we're going to have a huge chip shortage. Uh, so Intel's maybe smart as a fox, you know, uh, about building in Ohio. Uh, but Latin America, I think, is a place where starting people are starting to put some money. I'm not sure that's great. It hasn't broken its downtrend line, but you know it's getting close. The 10-year Treasury yield. So everybody ran to the 10 and 30-year bonds. You can tell by the way the yields came down. You know, uh, we were yielding 2% a week ago. We're at 1.75. All right. So uh, that's uh, anyway. We did get a call in. It's Vince. Vince, how are you? Yeah, good afternoon, Tim. How are you? What's up? I'm great. Hey, uh, hey when you were talking about energy, uh, you're talking about the uh, European energy companies as well, like Shell and BP. Um, you know, I have not seen their charts, Vince. Uh, I, I looked at a lot of domestic. I bought domestic energy um, a year ago, and... Uh, I'd have to look at their charts, but uh, I, I would think that, you know, they're coming out of Russia. You know, they do business with Russia. So I don't, yeah, I don't B know. Yeah, BP if they, just pulled out. Yeah, and uh, uh, Shell, uh, you know, they, I think they just changed their symbol too, didn't they? Um, you know, BP's been a laggard compared to like Exxon and Chevron. Uh, yeah. And... You know, I'm just looking at the chart now, okay? The chart on Shell, eh, it's okay. It's not great. You know, I, I uh, uh, you know, it just broke its 50-day moving average on the downside. So while everything else going up, BP and Shell are, are backing off. So yeah, they're not as yields. overbought. Pardon me? Yeah, they great, great yields. yields. Uh, yeah, and uh, if you're buying them for the yield, that's, just be careful, you know. I, I would, uh, you know, they're both below their 50-day moving average. So, I mean, if you're buying for yield, that's okay. But I, uh, I do think they have big exposure to Europe, and I think Europe's going to have a problem for a while. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't plan on flying to Paris anytime soon <laughs> uh, due to what's happening over there. So, um, uh, on a relative strength basis, I'd say no. You know, if you're mm -hmm. buying for yield, that's fine, but just keep a stop close, okay? Okay. I'm not recommending yeah. these, by the way. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. recommending any oil right now, okay? Sure. Understand. All right. Uh, very okay. good. Tim, thanks, thanks very much. Thanks.
Have a great Bye-bye. day. Once again, the, the number is 216-901-0946. 216-901-0946. You know, what has happened this week is the Treasury yield has flattened big time. The two-year, between the two and the 10, is, is only a quarter of a percentage point. That usually means the economy is slowing down. So we'll see what happens when the Fed raises rates. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back with insiders and uh, a little bit of uh, the long term. Stay with us. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. And, you know, now we talk about uh, insiders. And what I thought was very interesting is this week the insider buys went through the roof. So here we are. Ukraine, you know, we got all those negatives we talked about earlier. And the insiders are buying like crazy. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's start off. Uh, Warby Parker, Durable Capital, bought like uh, – about seven and a half million dollars worth of stocks, and they, and they bought another seven million. And one I forgot to mention uh, last week was Imogen, which is a small biotech. The CEO and four others bought about three hundred thousand shares. So that's always a good one. I, uh, that's an interesting one. But once again, the star of the week is our friend Dustin Muscovitz. If you don't know who he is, he's one of the guys that one of the founders of Facebook. Uh, he's worth about twenty-two billion dollars. He's bought and sold a couple companies before they came public, and he bought another 750,000 shares of Asana. Now, he's been wrong, uh, uh, but this time he paid 49 for it, bounced up, and then bounced back down. So uh, he's, he's back at it again, you know. And now here's another one that I, I find interesting. Uh, I was trying to figure out exactly what they do, and I, I couldn't, but uh, Kilo Schroeder uh, has bought – times he's bought um, a company called Revolution Medicine. Uh, back on February 8th, he bought $13.5 million. Uh, then he bought uh, on the 18th another 6 and a half. Then he bought another $3.9 million. Then he bought another 2.2. <laughs> and uh, let's see, then he bought another 900000 Then he bought another $1.2 million. Uh, so he's obviously been buying a lot and we'd like to see multiple purchases like that uh, like our friend uh, at Asana uh, so far our friend at Asana has been wrong but and then here's another one that uh, very interesting and I've made a lot of money with these guys um, although I don't like the chart right at the moment but uh, and it, it's called Insight uh, Enterprises it's in the tech area and what I don't like about it is it made a top and might be making a lower top but we'll hope, hope hopefully uh, Value Act bought it Value Act's very smart money. They bought uh, five million on the twenty eighth, and then they bought uh, there it is um, another two point one million, and then they bought another one point seven million. Uh, so they they've been buying over the last week or so, and uh, then they bought one more at a time, just like seven hundred thousand, just a wee seven hundred thousand dollars worth. <laughs> so there we go. And then uh, Brian Riley, who's uh, you know they're. B. Riley Financials are uh, uh, a brokerage firm, and uh, he's he's the chairman and CEO. He bought 2.9 million. He owns a lot. He owns about 5.4 million shares. Uh, and Philip Frost came out and bought 750,000 shares of Opco, and then he bought another 100,000 shares two days later. So Philip's been buying that for a long, long time. Oh, you know what? I, I forgot. Uh, Randall Paulson, uh, Randy Paulson. If you don't know who he is, he's a very bright guy. He's also a director at Riley. He bought uh, $2.4 million worth of stock. Uh, and then I noticed that uh, Mr. Riley himself bought another $2 million about, uh, I think it was the first day of March. So uh, we'll see. Now, here's some interesting ones. Apache. Uh, we had one of the directors buy 1.3 million shares at a new high. So he's got a lot more uh, intestinal fortitude than I do. Um, and then also we had uh, Parsons Corporation, which makes special industrial equipment. This, the, the, uh, he's a, a chief financial officer. You love to see chief financial officers buy because they know the numbers. He bought $1.3 million at a new high. Okay? Love seeing that. All right? Um, and, and then we also had ABC Cellera, uh, which is a biotech uh, company, which was $18 two months ago. is now 8 dollars 
Uh, we had uh, the chief operating officer buy uh, $1.9 million worth of stock. So we'll see what happens. And, and Personalis, uh, which is another biotech that was $15, is now eight. That's happened across the board. And he's an affiliate of a 10% owner of the company, you know, so you like seeing that. And he bought $2.5 million uh, worth. And then a couple names that are down and out, uh, Henry Nada, who's a director of DraftKings, came in and bought a, a million dollars worth. And, and then he bought, uh, what was it, somebody else? Well, it was a couple purchases uh then I uh, went to two or three purchases at the $200,000, $300,000 level also. So, uh, you know, DraftKings is getting hammered. Um, a couple other uh, – went down too far. A couple other names that I like, uh, uh, James River, which is insurance. We had uh, one of the uh, the chief executive officer buy a million dollars worth of stock, and he bought about 50,000 shares, which brings him up to 210000 And then uh, Nerdy. <laughs> which is a software company, which was like $8 a month ago, is now four. Uh, the chief executive officer bought a million dollars worth. So there we go. And um, then we uh, uh, a couple other names. Uh, Cowan, which is in the brokerage firm, you know, just like Riley's. Uh, Lawrence Kim, who's a director, bought a uh, million dollars worth. And then there was uh, Ian Jacobs uh, bought MIX Telematics. Uh, he bought a million dollars, and then he bought another uh, $850,000 worth. Then he bought another $550,000 worth. So uh, he's been – actually, I think he bought a couple weeks ago, and I, uh, I didn't mention this because of a small purchase. He bought about $230,000 worth. So quite a few buyers in that range. And just you know, just so I, I mentioned this, uh, McDonald's, the second buyer of McDonald's, Catherine, Catherine Engelbert, uh, bought another quarter of a million. Remember last week we, we had some people. And then Toast, which just got killed last week or in the last couple of weeks, went from 40 to 20. Um, the uh, One of the directors, uh, Paul Bell, bought quite a bit of it. And But, but we're, we're seeing a lot of small purchases, and I think that's important. And, uh, you know, but you're seeing a lot of them. <laughs> you know, a lot of 200, 400, 500, 600 uh, had, you know, uh, John – Moricus, uh, who's the chairman of Sherman Williams, buy some. And we had, uh, you know, the guy at Ball Corp, a couple of people at Ball Corp buy some, and, and, and Ruth Poor at, at uh, Blackstone buy some. Uh, and also at uh, Strategic um, Education, which, you know, broke out, we had several of uh, the executive chairman, Rob Silberman, buy at the high. You like seeing that type of stuff, okay? So we've seen quite a bit. So, uh, look, I think that, you know, we, we have some things we've got to think about. Commodities are going up with the dollar. That's interesting. And the, the dollar is challenging its next resistance, which is uh, it has long-term downtrend line, which would be, you know, if commodities go up with that, that'd be the first time in history we've seen that. Uh, copper is resiliently consolidating and looks like I think it might have broken out Friday. I have to, you know, I got to call Rob Schleimer on Monday and find out what he thinks. Uh, and gold, the monthly uh, cycle momentum is early, but it, it looks like it's an upturn for gold. Uh, and, and I'm looking for monthly momentum now, okay? So it's not going to happen today or tomorrow. Um, but remember, normally, all right, normally you have bull markets that last. 16 to 18 years. These are structural bull markets. So we're just halfway through that at this point. And uh, so there could be a lot more to the upside, okay? So there's bull markets, you always climb the wall of worry. There's always something to worry about. And look, the S&P has averaged a 2,300% return in each of the other structural bull markets that we've had. If we just go to 2,000, we'd be at 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500, okay? So we're only at 4,300 now. we got a long way to go. We could triple from here. But the four-year cycle is maturing, and that's what we got to talk about. These four-year cycles people forget about. And the other thing is the four-month moving average over the 13-month moving average, is when it turns up, is the sure sign of bull market's beginning. That occurred in 2009. Uh, remember, that's when I kind of declared that we we're at a generational low on this show. But it's, it's, it always regresses back to the mean. 
So we were way above, you know, the four month was way above the 13 month. It's getting closer, but the monthly momentum is very, very overbought. Now the S&P has pulled off that, that top, you know, the, remember we talked about trend lines, pulled off that top trend line, but the momentum is still very, very overbought. I think you got to be careful. And I, you know, my one, my one problem is the NASDAQ composite. We're just at the top end of the trend line. And this last time it happened uh, was back in 2000. Also, uh, if we looked at the NASDAQ versus the relative relative strength of the S&P 500, we could be making a double top. So um, it may be that the, the bottom half of the S&P 500 is the place to go. In the meantime, what would I do? I'd start to take a look. Well, first of all, I'd go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show with Tim Hayes. Uh, I would seriously take a look over my webpage, uh, you know, I think it's important that you look at insights. Keep that as a, a favorite because insights, we constantly change the research there, all right? We constantly change the research. So it's always new stuff, and it's just, just not about the stock market. It's about banking. It's about educational things. It's about everything that, you know, financially that affects you. Under bulletin board, I'd be reading Rob Schleiman very carefully for the next couple of months, all right? Rob's one of the best technicians on the planet. And, you know, he publishes weekly, all right? So you get a quick question. In the meantime, it's my humble opinion that dividends, you know, look, dividends outperformed everything during the Obama administration because he slowed growth to a, a crawl, all right? Growth took off again when Trump came in because he opened up the, the pipelines, et cetera, okay? So I think... Dividends are going to be very important during the Biden administration because obviously he's not interested in growth. He's interested in the social uh, stuff. And so the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list are something uh, I pay attention to. In the meantime, if you'd like to have coffee with me, all right, hit the email me or contact me or give me a call and we'll sit down and talk about your portfolio. Don't forget, we had Rich Matthews on. We have wealth plans available. You know, in times like this, it's good to know that you have a plan. All right. If you don't have a plan, you've got a problem. Alice said to the Cheshire cat when she came to the fork in the road, which road should I take? The Cheshire cat said, where are you going? And she said, I don't know. And he said, then either road will get you there. So call in for a wealth plan or a com- confrontation and, uh, and a consultation, not a confrontation. I've been reading too many papers. In the meantime, have a great weekend. It's supposed to be 60 degrees this afternoon. Get outside. Enjoy the weather for a while. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember to buy low and sell high. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. 7742 or visit his website rbcwmfa.com slash tim hayes that's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash tim hayes please join us again next saturday for the smart investor hour to hear more smart investing from tim hayes of rbc wealth management